Hello and welcome to Encounter Church Cape Town. We're so excited that you can join us for this message and we speak God's abundant blessing upon you, your families and all of your spheres of influence as you do so. Enjoy as you engage with God. Good, so I am aware of the time this morning as well and just going to bring a, yeah, a short word of encouragement and uh, also with some more testimonies this morning, uh, you know, over the last few times when I've been sharing, I've, yeah, I've been really just trying to bring in a few testimonies to encourage us as well. Because we're looking at the book of Acts. We're going to look at another story in Acts now as well. Um, but Acts really is a book of testimonies. Okay? It's just one story, testimony after the other. And it's really, really good to be looking at that. It's actually the, you know, the... The role of the book of, uh, of Acts is, is not to bring teaching specifically, it's to share testimony and to show examples of what God was doing. And obviously, we can get such richness, it all points to who God is and it points to the understanding of theology and all the other aspects. And it is confirmed through the other books of the New Testament, in terms of the teachings and the things we see. But really, this the, the point of Acts is that it's it's evidence, it's testimony of like practically what did it look like, this ch- growing church, this church on a mission, this people on a mission, people excited, you know, filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit in the amazing new ways, receiving new giftings in the Holy Spirit and stepping out for him. So if you want to have a look at the passage, we're going to um, turn to now it's Acts uh, 17 and I'll read, I'll read from uh, verse 16. And um, this story picks up just a little bit after where I preached from last time. And you might recall that I preached about um, when, when Paul had a vision of the man from Macedonia. If you remember that. And um, that's when the, his team, the group with him, had felt like God was calling them across from the Asian side, like sort of modern day Turkey, across to Macedonia, which is sort of the northern modern-day Greece, and from there, really, you know, they began ministering in some, yeah, just the significant cities and places around there, and working their way down that coast, we would say, sort of from north to south, and also ending up in Athens, which we know is still um, the modern-day capital of of Greece, and has such a rich uh, culture and uh, legacy within that city. (coughs) But even in those days, Athens was a real cultural center, a center for philosophy, a center of education within that whole world. So that was this environment that, uh, that Paul was now entering into. In fact, it says that he'd, he'd actually gone ahead of some of his, his team and he was actually waiting for them. So it actually seems like his main mission to be, or his main role or aim of actually being in Athens in the first place was really just waiting for the others to come. But we see that even during the waiting time, God uses Paul powerfully. Okay, so the mission doesn't stop even while he's, <laughs> while he's waiting. It's, the mission is along the way. So let's, let's read this and just and see what it says. So Acts 17 verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. I should just pause there for a moment. I think I'll probably pause along the way. 
So Paul is, is there in Athens. He's greatly distressed because he just sees the city's full of idols. And I can relate to that sometimes because I've been to some parts of the world, and maybe some of you have as well, where you might experience that, that wow, this is a different spiritual environment. You know, this place is either full of mosques and you're hearing the, the call to prayer all the time and, you know, you're seeing mosques everywhere and it's like, wow, you're very aware it's a different environment. Or I've been to places where you're very aware that it's very Buddhist. And so you're seeing the temples and you see people uh, with their different their idols and, and things like that. Or maybe a, even a Hindu environment um, where you've been in, um, or you know, where you're very obviously aware of a different spiritual environment and you can see even you know even openly you can see the practices of people uh, with those those kinds of religions anyway so paul was in the city and he was distressed so he reasoned in the synagogue with both jews and god-fearing greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there there's so much just in that little verse as well that I love. So, first of all, it says Paul reasoned. And I thought this is something good for us. You know, we, we often talk of, as being Christians, yes, we just carry the love of God and we, we are uh, expressing um, God's character, nature, and his power just through who we are. And, and we don't always need to speak, but there is also a role for speaking. And Paul was very learned. Paul was... Um, He'd grown up in a, well, in a city of the Roman Empire as a Roman citizen. He had access to education and he'd been schooled by one of the chief rabbis in, in, um, in Jerusalem. So he was a learned man. And so being in the Greek world at this time, he obviously felt like he was comfortable enough to actually reason with them as well. So he, he was obviously an intelligent man. And, uh, and he brought this reasoning and obviously fully inspired by the Holy Spirit as well and having the renewed mind. Um, but this was one of the gifts that God gave him to actually reason with people. So it was his normal practice to go into the synagogue, but then also in the marketplace. I love that. It just says, with those who were there. Okay? Just with those that... So he was burdened. He, was, he felt this passion to speak out. But in some sense, it was just, well... Just speak out wherever I am. Just speak out wherever God wants me to be. So I, I love that sense of just being in the marketplace. So, you know, we can, we can take this as an example for us as well, that God wants us to, yeah, also to speak out when there's opportunity or the passion that he's given us or our perspective, our views. Share it with others. Not just in religious settings, or in a special grouping, but, or, you know, that as well, but also in the marketplace, in our workplace, in our daily lives, with whoever might be around, okay? with whoever God is bringing to you. They are important because God loves them, and there's a, there's a reason for that. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. 
All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. <laughs> this, is a, this is such an interesting you know, little part here. Just to give some background, I was interested in this. Maybe you'll be interested too. So the Epicureans were people who were, we would say, hedonists. They were pleasure seekers. So from a, these were the, well, the, the two main forms of uh, philosophy that they had at this time. So there was this one stream that was all about just everything in life is about as much pleasure as you can. And we can still relate to that a lot in this world. There's a lot of people chasing after that as their main drive or their main God is pleasure. As long as it makes you happy. And exactly, that would be the sort of worldview that comes from that. You know, do anything if you, if that's, yeah, if it must be right because it feels good or, you know, those, those sorts of things. So yeah, that's the philosophical stream. Then the other stream was the Stoics who were more um, think says they were more thinkers rather than feelers um, and they uh, they valued reason science and they were very disciplined so, so and even in the english language we often you can still describe someone as being stoic sometimes an old-fashioned word but it comes from that they being quite a sort of disciplined type of of, of person um, anyway these were different forms of of uh, of philosophy um, and then the Areopagus was the council that would meet in Athens, and uh, apparently it was quite a significant uh, area where they would meet, like up on the hill, where they could actually look down, see the main parts of the city, see the Acropolis as well, and um, so from that that position. But that's where they would invite people to to share ideas, and I can relate a little bit to this because I'm working academia at a university and often attend academic conferences. And when I read this, I could relate to that immediately. I thought, well, actually, these academic conferences are, uh, are quite a lot like that. Basically, we're all gathering just to hear the latest ideas, and you've got, you know, sharing what's, what's happening in research, and uh, what are the latest trends, and, you know, what are we looking at? So I think we've, we've still got a lot of the Greek sort of culture in, uh, in our modern um, culture these days um, of the way of doing things. And not all of that is bad. Yeah, there's there's a lot of I mean I love that within my workplace I love to to hear you know the new things the latest ideas and the and some of it challenges our thinking and our understanding of you know science practice all different things so it's not wrong in itself but it, and it's not it's not a, a criticism of these people but obviously when we take anything devoid of God or separated from God then that's then it's not in alignment with, with what God uh, has ordained and with his ways for us. So that's, that's where we need to, uh, yeah, need to ensure the alignment that is, you know, even my understanding of that is, you know, yes, celebrate science, celebrate technology, celebrate the advances that we have. God's given them as solutions for our world and for things like that. But to, to let science become our or replace God, or become our God, that's where the problem lies. Or, or anything else that would become a God, and taking, taking the, the place of God. Um, anyway, these are some of the things. So let's look at what actually happened. So they invited Paul to come and share his crazy ideas. Um, and Paul stood up in the meeting, at the, uh, uh, and he said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. 
For as, as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From, from one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. I think it's so interesting just to look at the outcome there that is, that's, that's mentioned. You know, It says, look at the, the response, the reaction. Some believed, some sneered, some wanted to hear him some more. It's, you know, we can't always control the outcome. That's up to God. And even in this case, it's, you know, we take the opportunity. We can preach, speak out as God opens that. And you leave the rest to him. But even in some cases, even if it's one or two whose lives are impacted, it looks like the, they've, they've specifically named, or Luke has named, two people who must have gone on to probably be well known afterwards because he mentions them by name here, one a man and one a woman, which was even more remarkable for those times and days for must have been a, a woman of significance within that city and a member of, of the council. So well known, respected or esteemed people in that society. And they were impacted too, amongst many others. So just, yeah, interesting to see um, some of the ways in which the Lord worked. So I want to give us some encouragement and just a few lessons from what we've learned here, what I believe are lessons for us, in how we can just take the opportunities that the Lord will give us. Um, some of you will find that you have a real gift of evangelism. It's one of the major gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, that you will be empowered and you'll just feel like you just get opportunities all the time, that you have courage and boldness and you just love just taking every opportunity to share the gospel and it's a real gifting and anointing on your life. And for others, and I've, I've had this myself as well, I felt it hasn't always been the most natural gift that I've had and I felt like I've had to really walk a journey of like, Lord, how do I do this? What do I do? How do I overcome my own insecurities or doubts or you know what will people think of me when I speak out for you Lord or when they find out that I'm a believer or I'm a leader in my church or you know all these these sorts of things but it's part of that journey of like okay Lord well 
it's still part of your calling of my life is to speak out, is to represent you and to take the opportunities that, that you've, you've given me. Um, now I'm even just looking at Caroline here and Caroline, like I just know you as an example, you're always full of testimonies of how you're speaking to people, sharing the gospel with people. And you know, that's the gift of evangelism is so clear on your life. And that's, that's something so beautiful. The Lord does that with many of us. And for others, it's not just to leave it to those who are the evangelists, but actually to say, okay, Lord, how can I grow in that? How can I even be better at that and engaging with people? I just thought some key things that I saw with the way that Paul addressed this crowd at the Aeropagus, uh, the council, we'll just say, stick to that word. <laughs> Easier. Um, so the first point, I felt he starts from a common point of understanding or agreement. So he says to them, you're very religious here. You know, he says, and you've got many idols, statues. And you know, you've even got one that says to an unknown God. You know, they would have been like, okay, that's agreement. So he's relating, he's connecting, he's starting from a point of understanding their culture, their environment, and where they're at. Then he, he uses examples and he uses testimony linked in with that. And I think we can... Um, take that as a as a lesson as well, you know. And then to to draw those things in, to speak from our own experience. To you know, I don't think what he was bringing out here wasn't um, going through the scriptures and bringing out. He wasn't uh, countering all of the philosophical ways. He was really just you can. It, it comes across like he's just speaking more from the heart, and he's addressing them like this is their city. This is this situation. These are these people. And this is why God has a reason and plan for you. <laughs> like you guys are close to it, but you, you're missing this bit. And I also just, what comes across here is just, I, I feel it's a sense of humility and relating to the people. He doesn't come and speak down at them. He's actually relating to them and saying like, this is our God, which is quite interesting. Because <laughs> even though they're, probably believing in all sorts of gods or who knows what they believe, but he's saying, you have, you know, this uh, unknown God. And one of your poets says mm. that we are his offspring. So it's an amazing sense. It's not even Paul's hometown or his home culture at all. And yet he has this connection with them. Um, and then he begins to expand on the understanding and the person of Jesus and the character of God through that as well, which I think is... You know, take that opportunity to always, in our conversations, explain to people what is our God like? Because most, most of the people around us, they'll often say, oh, I also believe in God. Well, many would, you know. But how do, we, how do we explain to a Muslim person or a Hindu person, what, how do they get to learn from us? What is our God like? You know, how, we don't just have to say, oh, our God is different. Well, how is he different? Let's, let's demonstrate the God of love, the God of grace, etc. And then that the final point, which I think I've mentioned already, actually, was that we can't control the outcome. We need to leave that to God. You know, some will believe, some might mock, um, but even some, one or two, might even end up being crucial in the kingdom of God for further influence or in the next generation. Um, so we leave leave that to God. So I want to just just share a few testimonies as we. Yeah, as we reflect on this, and I'll 
put this into practice a little bit because I actually saw some of these patterns happening in the way that God was using me even when I was in Istanbul now recently but and also at other times, so especially in the workplace. Um, and um, yeah, so there was... There was one conversation I was having at a, at a dinner table uh, with, with two other academic uh, colleagues who I didn't, know, I didn't know before going to Istanbul. We were sitting at a dinner table one evening after we'd had a tour of the city and that. And I find myself in a conversation where these two people are speaking about how they believe in nothing. But it was the first time it was really, I was really engaging with this. It was like, what do you mean by you believe in nothing? I was sort of thinking, does that mean you don't believe in God? No, believe in nothing. And then the one lady began to explain to me about how the pursuit of nothing is what she's after. She's, she believes getting to a place of, uh, of, of nothing will result in, in, in peace. Now, some of you might be familiar with it. That is, that is a, a particular way of, uh, of uh, understanding, I think, especially within the uh, sort of Buddhist um, area, so it is that pursuit of, of nothing. And then she actually, she actually admitted during the conversation, she said something like, this is, it's such a big thing in her life that she's actually got a tattoo on her body saying in, I think, I don't think it's the Arabic or some language, but it's got something which means nothing. Um, and then she looked at me and she just cracked up laughing and I said, what? <laughs> and she said, Brendan, you should have seen the look on your face when I said I've got a tattoo that says nothing. <laughs> and I realized, if you know me, I don't have a poker face. I'm no good at that kind of thing. I can't hide it. And it's caught me out many times. But this time, it kind of actually just broke the ice and then actually created a way for me to, to share a little bit why. I was quite grateful, actually, that I hadn't intended that at all. And so firstly, I apologized and said, sorry, I didn't mean to come across in a negative way. But she saw the funny side as well, and she just laughed. Um, but it, we, we, yeah, we began to then engage on that a little bit more. Um, and I, I was like, Lord, help me. What do I say here without causing offense? But also, I don't need to defend myself in any way. But I would love to be able to speak into this and explain a little bit why did I have that face? <laughs> you know, why did I have that look? Um, and um, yeah, I don't know how you would have responded, maybe differently or you know, different things, but I was just engaging with the Holy Spirit at the time. Lord, what can I say? And then I, I actually just felt to say, firstly, kind of just relating a little bit to who she is living in Istanbul. And I, I trust that it was the Lord's wisdom, but I said, you know, well, I can understand from your perspective, living in Istanbul, it's such a crazy, chaotic, crowded, busy place that maybe you think that peace would be pushing everything else um, out, you know? And then, so there was some sort of like agreement and connection around that. And then I said, but actually for me, what I find, how I get peace is, I said, I love being in creation. I like to say that specifically and not just sort of in nature. Um, but yeah, just, just throwing in little things, you know, but I love being in creation. I love, you know, these sort of things. That's like I get peace there. I love, I fill my mind because now I'm sort of thinking about how she's deliberately emptying her mind. So I say, actually, I, I, what it helps me to get peace is to fill my mind with thoughts of people who love me or people who I love. You know, just thinking of these things or thinking of, of 
really good things. And I'm thinking, actually, that's what the scripture says, doesn't it? God actually says to us, fill your mind with whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is good. Think about those things. That's what the scripture says, encourages us to. Yeah? But if you can see, and I'm only sharing this as, as an example of what I think also links with what Paul was doing. Like, we can talk to people in a way that is just building some sense of connection with them, trying to understand God's perspective of them, how God loves them in their situation. And maybe you can understand why they're thinking that way, but also how we can express our testimony. It, it wasn't a time to get, you know, to jump into the theology of what I believe or why it's different and or to have an argument. I weren't looking for an argument there. But also, you know, like the Bible says and encourages us, always be ready to give a reason for the faith that you have. Always be ready for, with an answer of something, you know. And even if it's, well, this is how I find peace. Well, you know, that we, we do believe that and, and we, can, we can go after that and, and then link to the nature and the character of God. Just a few other things I thought I'd put out here and also ask you, think, how would you respond to the following scenarios? And all of these scenarios are real scenarios that I've had <laughs> in the workplace or in, in, in different places. But yeah, I had a colleague say to me once, I don't believe in God, but I don't believe that there would have been such coincidences of good things in my life. <laughs> and he spoke about specific example around the birth of his his child and a whole lot of things that came together that were like an amazing story incredible but his whole premise i don't believe in god but i don't believe that all those things could have been just coincidence and then he says so what do you think brendan do you believe in coincidence but suddenly i'm like god you've opened a door now there's an opportunity that i wasn't expecting but you know that when you get those moments you have to be kind of ready for something you know what are you what are you going to say and so that's it's, it's not so important about what i said it's it's important that each of us is ready to to give an to give an answer and i mean that's a that's a beautiful opening that someone can give that only the lord can give you know do you believe in coincidence do you believe in the universe is looking out for you hey what how do you how do we respond to these real things that many people are saying around us i mean really i didn't i i i think my jaw literally nearly dropped, dropped when when someone was you know when this person told me i believe in nothing so much so that i have it tattooed on me I'm like <laughs> so but the thing is somehow i also need to be better at not like what <laughs> but actually you know like just to yeah to to love the person and to to get God's, God's heart. Um, yeah, what would you do? You notice that a student or colleague has a large tattoo across their back and shoulders. <laughs> and this was also another particular thing. Um, yeah, once it was one of, one of them, a master's student. And uh, yeah, we were on a team building thing and they'd, this guy had taken his shirt off and could see that across his whole back and shoulders was just covered in tattoo. What is it? You can either, you can ignore it. You can say, well, okay, is this someone I can connect with, not connect with? We can shut ourselves off. We can choose to engage or not. But I felt in that situation, I was like, oh, here's an, here's an opening. Here's a, a connection on something. 
So I just asked him, instead of not judging or anything like that, I said, hey, do you want to tell me about what all this ink means? You know? Tell me about it. Tell me, like, it's part of telling. And suddenly, because if someone's chosen to put that on them, it's got meaning. It's something probably deep there, you know? And so he started talking about all these things. So I'm like, okay, that, that looks like, to me, that looks like angel wings. Like, what do you believe about that? We've got to have conversation about just, you know, going a bit deeper, just going these things. And I think that's where we can make that choice. We don't have to go there, but maybe the Lord is providing a door to connect with someone. And I always find the great ways is just to start with um, trying to connect with them. How does God see them? How does God love them? And that connects more with my gifting, which is more about caring for people, being pastoral, seeing God's love for people. And then I get excited about sharing his, <laughs> his story with them when I, when I get that. Another, another thing, how would you respond to this? Your colleague asks you to drop them off at mosque for prayers and wait for them in the car until they finish. <laughs> I've had that. I think I might have shared, uh, shared that story before as well uh, with some of you. But that for me, I was like, ah, oh, what do I do? I ended up sitting in a, a car parked outside a mosque in a prominent parking spot. My colleague goes out. I'm sitting there. Lots of other guys are streaming to worship and to prayers, and I'm sitting in the closet. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm sitting here. And then I'm thinking, oh, you know, what would people think now? Like, I'm a Christian, are they going to, you know, what do people think? I'm a leader in a church, sitting outside a mosque, what on earth am I doing here? You know, all these thoughts, these real thoughts go through your mind. And you think, oh, why am I here? This wasn't a good idea, but somehow I gave in to this guy, you know. Oh. Well, what, what turned out after that, I mean, there was no guarantee of anything, but the colleague got back in the car afterwards and we traveled off to another meeting and um, he started a conversation about what do I believe? Yeah. He started asking me yeah. without me even saying anything. But somehow, I, I think because I was willing to sit in the car outside the mosque <laughs> while he went to prayers, that he then started saying, well, what do you believe about yeah. this and about that? Yeah, yeah. And we had one of the best conversations we've, we've ever had um, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about so much. So it sometimes just starts. <laughs> you know, we've got to be prepared to be humble, to connect with people, just meet them where they're at and just love and, and serve as well and take the opportunity when, when we get it. Um, another person was telling me, I was meeting them also recently in um, on Istanbul, but... One of the lecturers there said, I teach a class on mindfulness. I'm a yoga instructor and I coach people in mindfulness and spiritual disciplines. Something, okay, what do I say here? Like, what's. So I actually just said to him, well, actually, I'm also a very spiritual person. <laughs> and then explained a little bit, a little bit different, but if you. If you can hear where I'm coming from, I, I believe that the Lord wants us to also just like not, not be afraid of these things. Not to shy away from like, oh, that person's like that. We're different. There's divisions. Because that's what the world is thinking. Even like in Paul's time there, he's talking about there's that group who believes that. There's that group who believes that. There's all these divisions and walls and things. 
But he goes in there and he says, oh, your gods are like that. But let me tell you, actually, what's going on. At connecting, loving people, relating to them where they're at. And, and taking, it, you know, taking it further. I've actually, I've loved it in the past as well, when I've, I've seen colleagues who will say things like, um, you know, they, they went to the church for a, a baptism or a christening or something, even though I'm thinking, I know that they're not born again, but they told me something about that. Suddenly, jump at that opportunity and say, oh, wonderful, tell me more about the church, tell me more about your family. And often they'll say, well, I'm not, not, not religious, but religious. Like, oh, great. Well, you know, actually, I was christened as a child. Or you just find that area of connection, commonality and love, and then take it, take it further. Sometimes people have asked me, like, what is, what is your church like? Like, is it like a, like a Lutheran? They might have no understanding, really. Or they think, oh, it's, it's like, okay, are you Christian? Are you Protestant or Catholic? Okay, Protestant. Okay. And you take that, you don't always have to explain and define everything. Just come in from where they are at, with their understanding, and build from there, and just be led by the Spirit. Yeah, so those are the testimonies and encouragement. But, you know, I also just feel like we're in the season where we need to be more ready for these, these kinds of opportunities and to engage with people, because people are talking through these issues, they do have questions, um, or they're, they're throwing out things they don't even necessarily believe in, but because they've heard it on TV or their friends say it, or, you know, that's one of those things I think we hear a lot of is this sort of thing about the universe <laughs> these days. But yeah, whatever's the latest idea, the latest trend, the thing, and people just throw it out there. And, and it's good for us to even challenge that sometimes, or pick up on that and ask them what they really... Doesn't that believe. come from the word encounter? Yep, the word encounter, you're right. Chris, thank you for that. So may, may we all have many more encounters hey, with people, with the Holy Spirit, leading people, conversation and, and engaging with them and sharing the love of God with them. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time together this morning. Just thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you've chosen us, you've revealed yourself to us. Thank you for the truth that you've given us. Thank you for the confidence we have in you, the hope we have in you. And Lord, you, you're so good that we can't just keep you to ourselves. We just ask for more opportunities to share you, to share your ways with those around us. People we love, people you love, and just anyone that you bring across our path, Lord in our workplace, with our colleagues, with people we just bump into. We just say, Holy Spirit, just continue to lead us and guide us. Even along the way, Lord, even when we might feel like we're in a season of waiting or in between or wherever it is, Jesus, you're always working. There's always people that you love and want to reveal more of your love to. Yeah, we just give you free reign for more encounters with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.